the first church, the early days of the church and what happened there. Jesus has lived and died, been raised from death, and ascended to the right hand of the Father in heaven. Before he left his disciples, he reminded them of the commission that he had given them to, uh, given to them, called them to, and that was to be his witnesses. Uh, They were to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, Holy Spirit is coming, and when the Holy Spirit comes with power, you will be my witnesses. Um, The Holy Spirit did come, as we saw already in the series. The Holy Spirit came, came with great power, and they indeed did become his witnesses. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. Um, Peter stood up. They spoke in tongues that day. A great crowd gathered. Peter stood up, and he proclaimed the gospel, preaching Jesus and calling the, uh, the people who were listening to repent of sin and believe in the good news of the gospel. On that day, 3,000 people were saved, and the church had its start. We read in Acts chapter 2, 42, gathered together about those early days of the church and, and what the church was doing as they gathered together, meeting in homes uh, throughout Jerusalem and going to the temple and worshiping together, uh, devoted to the apostles' teaching. It says that the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved and the church was growing. Last week, we, um, we, we looked at the second recorded Christian sermon, um, and Peter and John had gone to the temple as they did every day. They had gone to the temple, and there they encountered a man, probably a man they had seen many times at the gate beautiful, who had been lame for more than 40 years. And the Holy Spirit, through them, healed uh, this man. That caused quite a stir in the, in the temple, and that was a great opportunity as everyone came to see what was going on and how this man um, got healed. Uh, that stir in the temple and that, that attraction um, was a great opportunity for Peter and John to once again with boldness share the gospel, and they did. Um, pointing out the sins of people and calling them as well to repent and believe the good news of the gospel, to believe in Jesus, who was the promised one of the Old Testament. We talked about this last week. um, when, When the gospel is heard, when the gospel is shared, it always elicits a response. And the response is, is one of two things, belief, right? And on, on that day when, when they preached the gospel in the temple, Luke records that many believed and the number of men, just men, the number of men in the church grew to around 5,000. So we could estimate that the church was more than 10,000 people at this time. The church had exploded in Jerusalem. Now the other response, belief is one response to hearing the gospel, the other is disbelief. And it was disbelief that led to the anger of uh, the Sadducees, the chief priests, and other leaders in the temple um, coming over to Peter and John and having them arrested for sharing the gospel there in the temple. And that's where we pick up this morning. I love these next verses. So um, before we jump in and look at those verses, context is set, let's pray together. And I'm going to ask if you would pray with me. I actually pray where you are that the Lord would be good to us today and the Holy Spirit would teach us, um, would open our eyes to the truth, would encourage us. And where, where we need convicting of sin, pray that the Holy Spirit would be good to do that as well. Um, that he would shape us into the people that God wants us 
to be. Would you pray those things with me? Yes, good. Let's pray. Father, we, um, we do pray. We pray that your spirit who is with us, we know that because um, you've told us that, because you have promised us that when we became believers, we were indwelt, we were sealed by your spirit until the day of our redemption. So we know as we are gathered, Holy Spirit, that you are here. We pray that you would do a, a, a mighty work in our midst, uh, that you would teach us. I, I know, I know as, as a preacher that apart from the Spirit, my words, they, they, they fall with not even a thud. Um, we need you. We need you to open our eyes, to soften our hearts, to help us see the truth, to help us today to believe. Uh, so we pray. Holy Spirit, that you would be great in our midst. We pray that you would shape us into the people um, that our Father would have us be. Help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, so let's start reading. Um, let's jump into uh, Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 5, and we'll start just by reading through um, verse 7. On the next day, so this was uh, Peter and John were arrested, and it was late in the day. It was 3. They were at, at, at the temple at 3 in the afternoon, uh, so it was late in the day. So they um, arrested them and would have their trial the next day. So they spent the night in jail. O on the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the, in the midst, did you do this? By what power or by what name did you do this? Talking about the healing and the preaching. And I love this. Um, Peter and John were just arrested for preaching the gospel and calling on the name of Jesus and telling others to believe in him. They were just arrested for, for, for preaching that gospel. They know why they were arrested. They are basically at this point standing trial um, before the religious leaders in Jerusalem, and they've called others to come to Jerusalem for this trial as well. Annas, um, Caiaphas. Caiaphas would have been the current high priest. Uh, Annas would have been his uh, father-in-law and the previous high priest. And um, John and Alexander were likely other members of the family, maybe children. And, and this, uh, this priestly family was a family of great power and influence. And so here are Peter and John standing before them, knowing what they have been arrested for. And when asked, by what power or authority did you heal this man and proclaim the resurrection? There's absolutely no hesitation, once again, no hesitation from them in proclaiming Jesus. Verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man... By what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. 
And here's why I love this passage so much. We see in in this passage, in these first verses, a dramatic change in Peter and John. Dramatic is not a good enough word. I I wish I was better with words. It's not nearly strong enough for the change that we see in them. They have gone from fear to you that this was done in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. By him... By him, this, this Jesus, the Jesus that you crucified, right? Like he is just, they are, are boldly putting this right back in the face of the leaders. Like, here is the question, by what authority are you doing this? We're doing it in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Jesus Christ whom you crucified, who you guys killed but the Father raised up from the dead. By him, by Jesus and his power, this man stands with us well today. This Jesus, they say, this Jesus is the stone that you rejected as God's builders, and he has become the cornerstone. Now here, Peter is quoting Psalm 118, verse 22. And in doing that, those religious leaders there, they would have known what Peter was doing by saying that and talking about the stone being rejected. And Peter is saying, this is the fulfillment of prophecy. This Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy. Prophecy that you know of, and yet you killed him. In him... In him, not in your self-righteousness, not in your birth as a Hebrew, not in the law or how well you keep the law, not in your temple attendance or in your position, but in him, Jesus, and only him is their salvation. That is bold, isn't it? I mean, that is incredible. It would have been a big... So they just got arrested for proclaiming the gospel. And here they are when asked, like, whose name are you doing this in? By what authority do you do this? By the authority of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you killed. Like, this is absolutely incredible to preach the gospel when they were just arrested for preaching the gospel. That in itself is incredible. But listen, it gets better because this wasn't their first run-in with Annas and Caiaphas. And the last one didn't go so well. John 18, I want to share some verses. John 18. This is um, before the crucifixion. Jesus is in the garden. He's praying with his disciples. And while Jesus is praying, um, the soldiers come. Judas betrays Jesus. And in verse 12, we read, So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas. For he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was a high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Verse 15, Simon Peter followed Jesus when he was arrested, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter, Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of the man's disciples, are you? Peter said, I am not. Peter denied Jesus. Jesus continued. They continued questioning Jesus. And in verse 25, we read this. 
Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, You also are not one of the disciples, are you? A second time, you, you aren't one of the disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once the rooster crowed three times. Three times, immediately after, as Jesus was still on trial, immediately after his arrest, Peter denied Jesus, denied knowing him. Peter would not in any way be connected with Jesus. He lied, right, to protect himself. He was afraid. Now, now these men were the, the men that, that arrested Jesus. These, these men arranged a, a fake trial. They paid for false witnesses so that they could convict Jesus. Uh, th these men arranged for the arrest of Jesus. These were, were powerful men in, in, in Jerusalem. Uh, they were the men who convinced the crowd when, when Barabbas was offered up, like, who do you want us to release, Barabbas or Jesus? When Jesus had been, had been beaten, who do you want us to release? They were the ones who convinced the crowd to call out for the release of Barabbas. These men were literally the men who had Jesus crucified. Peter knew their power and ability. That's why on that night, he knew their power and ability on that night. And, and, and that's why on that night, uh, he denied Jesus because he was fearful. He was afraid. But now, same men. That's the incredible thing. Same men. He is standing before these same men. Now he has been the one arrested. It was Jesus who was arrested, and, and he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't be connected with Jesus. Now he is standing before these same men. Accused, accused of doing something that he shouldn't do by the same men who accused and killed Jesus. And when asked by what authority that he operated and did this healing in the temple, without hesitation, without hesitation, he says, Jesus. He is proclaiming Jesus of Nazareth. He is saying, Jesus is the promised one. He's saying Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one who healed the man. He is the one who gives us authority to make this declaration. Jesus, whom you crucified. Jesus, whom the, whom the prophets foretold of, and you know the prophecies, and yet you don't see it with your own eyes. Jesus, whom you crucified, and the Father raised from death. And there is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. Man, that is incredible. That's fire. Thank you. Just want to make sure y'all are awake out there. In this short period of time, Peter has, has gone from, from fear and denial to fearless, to a fearless witness of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. The transformation is absolutely incredible. In fact, theologians use this as evidence for the actual resurrection of Jesus. How else could someone be so transformed in such a short period of time? You know what it is that, that changed Peter? Peter now believed. 
On the night of the trial, when it happened before, Peter had been with Jesus for, for, for three years, approximately three years. He had been with, with Jesus all that time, and Jesus had, had taught Peter and the other disciples. Uh, Jesus had told them, like, here is what's going to happen. Jesus had been preparing them before this very night, saying, like, I'm not going to be with you anymore. I have to leave you. Jesus, Jesus had told them how this was all going to play out, and Peter knew it. Peter had knowledge of who Jesus was, who Jesus claimed to be. Peter knew it. He gave mental assent to it, and, and maybe on some level he believed it. But until this time, he had not fully believed. And on that night, though he knew it, right, head knowledge of it, assent to the facts of it, say, yes, this is who Jesus is. On that night, he didn't truly believe, and now he does. He believes. He believes now. Jesus is the Son of God, right? He knew Jesus said he was the Son of God. He, he saw the miracles of Jesus, but now he believes that Jesus truly is the Son of God. He believes that Jesus is the promised one. Even though he'd been taught, Jesus is the promised one. He knew the facts of Jesus being the promised. Now, now, now he believes Jesus really is the promised one. He, he, he believes that, that, that indeed Jesus was, was crucified and raised from the dead. He believes that Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father. He believes that Jesus is returning just as Jesus said that he was. And he believes because Jesus told him to do it. I, I will be back. And until I come back, you be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He believed. No more, no more head knowledge. And what was there had moved to his heart, and he believed with all his soul who Jesus was and what Jesus had done and what Jesus said that he would do. He trusted. If you're, if you're visiting New City, if you're a regular, maybe this is a reminder, but these are the things we believe. We believe who Jesus is. We believe that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament promise. We, we believe in his faithfulness. We believe that he is faithful and true and that he will do everything that he promised to do. We believe that. And we believe with Peter and with John and the apostles and disciples who started the church that, that Jesus is coming back. And until he returns, we have been given the same commission as those first disciples to be his witnesses. To be his witnesses and tell the world around us who he is and what he's done. To tell them what he will do. Proclaiming his glory until he returns. So let's to unwilling, right? From, from fearful to fearless and from unwilling to unwavering. From unwilling to unwavering. Verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. A couple of things really stand out to me just in those verses. When Jesus was arrested, Peter was unwilling, unwilling to be associated with Jesus, right? That's what we were just talking about, unwilling to even talk about Jesus. I, I want to I share another passage account of that night, Matthew chapter 26, Matthew's account of what happened right in the courtyard. And a Matthew 26 and verse 69, now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. 
But he denied it before them all, saying, I don't know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, um, she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath, I do not know this man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. The first servant girl recognized him and asked Peter, right? Asked Peter, weren't you one of the disciples? And Peter said, I don't know what you mean. I don't know what you're talking about. And he left so he didn't have to talk about it anymore. He walked away. A second servant girl also recognizes him. This time, Peter becomes even more insistent, and he makes an oath, right? Like, I promise on my grandmother's grave. But an oath for them was much more serious than that. But what he's doing is making an oath. I, I, I swear on whatever, I do not know this man. The third person calls Peter out for who he is and his association with Jesus, and Peter just ramps up his denial. He now swears by God, calling a curse on himself, like, God, take my life if I know this man. I do not know him. These were, these were servants. Two of them were servant girls, and the others were common folks like, like Peter. Peter was unwilling, even with those who were, who were equal with him or, or maybe even a step beneath him as servants, Peter was unwilling with them, those people who had absolutely no, no, no authority in his life, no power over him. He was unwilling, unwilling to be associated with Jesus. Now Peter and John are standing before the very power brokers of the religious system, men who could have them imprisoned or killed. And after a night in jail, knowing what they were arrested for, they waste no time in answering the question, and they speak with great boldness as they share the gospel. Verse 13 again, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They spoke with such boldness. They spoke with such boldness, such confidence, such understanding that these educated religious leaders, right, who knew all of the Old Testament Scripture, who knew all of the prophecies, who had memorized uh, the vast majority of the Old Testament Bible, th these men were astonished astonished to hear the clarity with which they talked, astonished with the connection they were making to the Old Testament prophecies. They were, they were astonished and recognized these men have been with Jesus. Verse 14, But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. Now, I love this. 
They've, 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 they've been arrested. They've been threatened. They responded boldly with the gospel. The religious leaders send them out of the room, like you guys go out of the room. They, they send them out of the room, and, and they're talking amongst themselves, and their question is, what do we do with these guys? How do we, how do we stop them from this message that they are proclaiming? How do we stop them from proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ? And they decided it's evident there was a healing. We can't deny what's happened here. If we do anything to them, the people are going to be upset with us. So here's what we'll do. We have all the power and the authority. We'll just tell them. We'll threaten them. We'll, we'll amp up our threat and we'll tell them not to talk about this Jesus anymore. Now, again, just a reminder, remember that Peter, as, as we just looked at in the Matthew passage, was unwilling to be connected with Jesus when it was just a servant girl. Like, he is cursing himself, calling a curse on himself, and lying when a servant girl is asking him if he knows who Jesus was and if he was a disciple. He would not speak up for Jesus. Now, he's already spoken up once in this encounter, and now they're going to turn up the heat on Peter and John and threaten them. And verse 18 says, so they, they called them and they charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Would they run again? But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Boom. I mean, unwavering. Unwavering. Two options. What, 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 what Peter is saying in response, they are threatening like, hey, do not talk about Jesus anymore, anywhere, with anyone. Don't bring up his name. These were the men that crucified Jesus. These are the men with all the authority and all the power in Jerusalem, both religiously, culturally, in every way. These were the men who had the control, and they're saying, do not mention Jesus anymore. Peter says, you know what? I don't know what you think about this, whether it's right in your eyes in the sight of God or not, but we can't help but speak of what we've seen and heard. You're not going to stop us from talking about Jesus. We will listen to God. You do what you will. Is that, is that not crazy? I mean, here they've run from servant girls. Here they have been completely unwilling, unwilling, and now they are unwavering, unwavering in the gospel. Do what you will. Think what you will, but we cannot help but talk about what we have seen and heard. Man, a complete transformation. This is a different Peter. Completely different Peter in a very short period of time. Now, one of the reasons for this change, one of the reasons for this change I've already mentioned is, is Peter's faith. Peter and John truly believed the gospel that they proclaimed. 
Like they, they had no doubt. There was no doubt in their mind at this point that, that this gospel was real. There was no doubt in their mind that, 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 that Jesus was who he said he was. They believed that incredibly deeply. They believed so fully that he was who he said he was, that he had done what he said he had done, and that he would continue to do all the things. He would fulfill all of his promises. They were so convinced of that that the threat of punishment and even death from these religious leaders meant no but talk about. Do what you will, but we can't help but talk about what we've seen and heard. They believed. They believed. Here's another reason. The other reason is the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 4 verse 8 says, Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. So Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he spoke to them. Now, I, I, I want to I take you somewhere really quickly. don't have a lot of time to, to dig into this one, but in our last series, we talked about Jesus and the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, that was the sermon series. Um, if, you haven't, if you haven't, go back and listen to it, right? So, so Jesus promised the Holy Spirit was coming. He was coming with power, and when he comes, um, you will be my witnesses. Jesus had told the disciples as he was teaching them before he left them all about the Holy Spirit, making all of these promises. The Spirit will guide you. The Spirit will lead you. The Spirit will bring to your mind things that I have taught you. The Spirit will encourage you. The Spirit will empower you. All of these promises. Luke chapter 21, I want to read these verses because this is one of the places that Jesus Jesus is talking about this. Luke 21, verses 12 through 15. He's trying to prepare the disciples for, for his leaving, for him not being with them. But before all of this, he says, they will seize you and persecute you, handing you over to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will be a time for you to serve as witnesses. Therefore, be resolved not to rehearse ahead of time how to make your defense, for I will give you, I will give you the words along with the wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. Oh, is this not incredible? Thank you. This is incredible. Before Jesus was arrested, before Jesus was crucified, before any of that happened, preparing his disciples for his leaving, I will give you the words, this is going to happen to you. You are going to be arrested. You're going to be taken before the authorities, kings, and all sorts of authorities because of my name. It is going to happen. But don't worry. Don't rehearse what you're going to say to them. I will give you the words and the wisdom so that when you stand before them and you speak as my witness, don't worry because this is how you're my witness. And when you stand before them as my witness, I will give you all the words that you need. And I'll give you all the wisdom that you need, so much so that your adversaries will not be able to withstand or contradict the things that you are saying. That's what I just read in Acts. It happened. It happened. Like, I mean, like immediately. It's happening. They're arrested. You're going to be handed over. Check. They were handed over. You're going to be persecuted. Yep, they're persecuted, but don't worry. Don't worry. This is how you'll be my witnesses. 
Don't even rehearse your defense. I'm going to give you the words that you need. Your, your adversaries will not be able to stand against you. They won't even be able to contradict the words that you say. It happened just like Jesus said. How faithful. How incredible. How, I, I told first service, so I'll tell you too. I wish I had a camera up here. Because this blows me away. And it seems to have no effect on you guys at all. Like, this excites me so much. Here is Jesus making this promise and telling them, here's what's going to happen to you. And we turn just a few pages in the timeline, and here it is happening exactly like Jesus said. And you all, here's the thing. That God is our God. Right? The, the God who put this together, the God who, who was with them, that's our God. And, and, and that same Spirit, the same Spirit who came with them on the day of Pentecost with great power, that's the same Spirit that now indwells us. That, that's the Spirit that seals us. That's the Spirit who, who Jesus promised, not just those first disciples, but us as well. The Spirit will lead you. The Spirit will guide you. The Spirit will equip you. The Spirit will empower you. The Spirit will give you words. The Spirit will give you wisdom. Holy cow. And, and that mission, that's our mission. Man, this is beautiful. One more quick point, then I'll close it out. The world doesn't know what to do with those people. The world doesn't know what to do with those people. Verse 15, but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what in the world are we supposed to do with these guys? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. Verse 21, and when they had further threatened them, because they didn't know what else to do with them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom the signs of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. What in the world do we do with these guys? What, what do we do? I mean, that's the religious leaders. I, I can just imagine them meeting. They send Peter and John with their angry faces. Send them out of the room. Get out of here. We got to talk. They, they, they leave, and the religious leaders are like, I don't know what we do now. What, what do we do with these guys? We can't, we, can't, we, we, we can't bring any harm to them because there's no doubt of what's happened. Everybody is seen, and they're all talking about this guy who was healed at the gate. Beautiful. He, he's been lame for 40, more than 40 years, and now he's, he's walking, and he's dancing, and he's jumping, and he's leaping, and he's praising God. Here he stood before us, and we saw him do all of that. What do we do with these people who have been so dramatically changed? What, 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 what do we do with these people who so clearly walk in the power and the promise of God? I love it. They didn't know what to do with them. Here's my, here's my theory. 
Here's my theory. Listen, when, when, when we are really believing the gospel and following Jesus, I mean really believing, right? I mean really believing like Peter and John were believing, not, not this head knowledge that we know the story and can say, okay, okay, okay. I mean, I mean really trusting in the promises of Jesus, like not just knowing about the Holy Spirit but believing about the Holy Spirit, believing those promises that Jesus made, that the Holy Spirit will give us wisdom, that the Holy Spirit will give us words, that it, it's the Holy Spirit who brings conviction right? All of those things that Jesus talked about, like not just knowing those and saying yes to them, but truly, 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 really believing all of those promises. When we believe like they believe, no one will know what to do with us either. Hey, I want to be that person. That's, 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 that's the one I want to, I want to be, I mean, in a good way, like, I want to be the one that nobody knows what to do with me, and I mean, in a good way, like, like, like Peter and John, not like it already is. I don't, I don't want to fear what servant girls think of me because I am associated with Jesus. I don't want to fear what the powerful think of me because of my association with Jesus. I, I, I don't want to fear what, what, what anyone in those two groups and everything in between, I, I don't want to fear what those people might think or say or even do to me because, because I, I am a believer in Christ, because I am, I am a firm believer in the good news of the gospel. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be afraid to be known for my faith. I want to be, I want to be like Peter and John as they stood before Annas and, and, and Caiaphas. I, I want to boldly proclaim the truth. And listen, I'm not talking about on Sunday morning. This is easy. That's why you guys come. I'm talking about Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. I, I'm talking about outside of the church. I, I want to be that guy who boldly proclaims the truth, even to those who oppose it, the, 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 the truth of who Jesus is, the truth of what Jesus has done, the truth of who I am, the truth of who I was, a broken, needy center, sinner, so, someone who, who could not save himself, someone so broken and so unable that, that I needed desperately the beautiful, beautiful Savior that Jesus is. I, I want to I boldly proclaim that now in Christ I am forgiven and I am free. I am made a child of God, not because I am good or deserving, but because Jesus is absolutely amazing, and he did what I could never do for myself. I want to boldly proclaim the good news of Jesus at, at, at the gym where I work out, on the street, with my family, with friends. I want to urge the people around me boldly, just like Peter did, just like John did. I want to urge the people around me to hear this good news and believe, to repent and believe the good news of who Jesus is. I, I want to speak of Jesus with confidence. Now listen to me, I don't mean the kind of confidence that comes with, with memorizing Scripture. 
I think that's a beautiful thing. I'm not against it. But I'm not talking about the, the, the kind of confidence that comes with me having a, 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 a number of passages um, that, that, that I can recite back to you because I've memorized them. I, I'm not talking about the confidence that comes because I've studied a lot on what it is that I need to say and how I share the gospel and how, how I answer everybody's questions. I want to speak with confidence in the promises of Jesus like Peter and John. I want to I speak with confidence that it is the Holy Spirit who is with me. I want to speak with confidence that the Holy Spirit will give me the words that I need. I want to I speak with confidence, believing, trusting that the Holy Spirit will give me whatever it is that I need. That He will bring to mind the teachings of Jesus. That He will bring to mind the things that I've read before. That He will give me the words that I need to say. I, I want to trust that it isn't me and my wisdom or, or my wonderful words that opens eyes and hearts. It's not me who brings conviction to, to those around me. Conviction of sin and righteousness and, and, and judgment. Just like Jesus said. I want to believe 100% like Peter and John did. That it's the whole Holy Spirit working through the gospel who does that. I want to believe like Peter and John. And that's the church that I want to be a part of. That's the church that I, that I, that I dream of being a part of. And I'll say, I, I, I'll say, in so many ways, I already am. And I am thankful for that. I, I want to be a part of a church of, of people who, like, like, like John and like Peter, say, I don't know what's going to happen, and I don't know what you're going to think about this, but I can't not talk about Jesus. A church who is willing to take chances to reach the people around us. A church that is willing to take chances to reach, to reach our neighbors. A, a, a people who are, who are bold and courageous and undaunted and fearless when it comes to the gospel. Now hear this last part. Peter and John had not always been that way. That's why I spent so much time looking at two different passages of the night that Jesus was arrested. It was only a short time earlier, as we saw, that they hid and denied Jesus. Now listen to me. When it came to who they were then, and when it came to standing again before those religious leaders, they didn't become courageous because they talked themselves into it. I'm just going to try harder to be courageous. That's not what they did. They didn't, they didn't talk themselves into being courageous. They didn't give each other that night in jail a pep talk on how courageous they You can do it, man. You can do it. You got it. They, they didn't take a deep breath when that question was asked of them and close their eyes and think, okay, I can do this. I can do this. They believed. believe the gospel with, with, with all that they had with all that they were they truly believed the gospel 
They believed. They believed who Jesus was. They believed what Jesus had done. They, be, they believed the promises that Jesus made to them. They believed that, 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 that he would return. They, they believed that he was not finished and that he would do everything that he said that he would do. They believed it, and, and, and he will. That's what I want. Right, that's what I want for me. I, I, that's what I want for you. Above, above all, that's what I want for you. That's what I want for us together. That's what I want for, for New City Church, a faith that overflows in courageous boldness for the gospel. A, a faith that says, whether, whether I should say this or not, you, you be the judge of that, but I can't not tell you about Jesus. Peter Peter and John, they, they stood by faith. They went, they went to jail the night before when they were arrested. They, they, they were arrested by faith. They went to jail by faith. They stood that day before Caiaphas and Anna, Annas by faith. They, they spoke the words they spoke by faith. They, they were resolved to continue talking about Jesus, unmoved by the threats. They were, they were resolved by faith. It was all because they believed. So I went to school <laughs> to learn how to preach. I almost didn't pass. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, yeah, if the music wasn't so good here, I don't know. And what they they tell preachers is you need you need to give things for people to do. A good sermon always has things for people to do. So you give three things for people to do, right? And so if I was if I was preaching in that way, I would say you need to share the gospel. I would say you need to be bold. You need to stand for Jesus. Listen to me. I'm not saying that, Pastor Keith. What are you calling us to do today? Just believe. Just believe. Believe the good news, promises, and that, that this is done. Believe the good news of, of his promises and that, that this Jesus who lived and died and was raised from death for us, this Jesus is faithful and true. And he'll fulfill every promise that he made to you. Just believe. And if we believe, if we believe like Peter and John believe, then he'll take care of everything else. Let's pray. Father, thank you for such grace such patience father we um, we we believe help us in our unbelief we want to believe deeply So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would remind us, remind us of Peter and John, 
and how they were transformed. Not because they worked harder and practiced, but because they believed, and by them and through them, you did amazing things. Help us, Father, in our unbelief. Remind us again and again and again of your faithfulness, of the promises that you've made. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen.